Yo, I don't like your tone. Excuse me? You're being disrespectful. It's unnecessary. <laughs> you need to step off Mayweather. I mean, what you think you're going to do, man? <laughs> I think he think he's going to break. I can't. Not the way I want to. I'd kill you. Ooh. I like this cat. This is the Extra Hot Great Podcast, episode 131 for the week of October 3rd, 2016. I am Chinese restaurant with a Mongolian pun, David T. Cole, and I'm here with Biggie Painting, Sarah D. Bunting. R.I.P.B. And everyone else. Sexy Auditor, Tara Ariano. Let's deduct those pants. And tortured crocodile metaphor, Nick Ridewell-Jones. You better run away from me in a zigzag, fool. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Extra Hot Grades, a little slight business right at the top of the show. Uh, our schedule has been erratic as of late, and we're trying to normalize it as much as we can, given the circumstances, which are mysterious. So what we're going to do is we're going to try to give you a flagship episode once a week, and we're just going to drop the minis for the near foreseeable future yeah. yes uh until we can normalize uh our workloads and, and whatnot so that's that so uh getting back to the show today's episode uh lead topic is luke cage and uh, joining us this week is nick reinwell jones Yay! and he's covering luke cage for us uh with a new show fact sheet on the site you can read that right now mm-hmm. and uh, he joins a dozen or so other contributors all swarm covering uh an episode each swarm. of <laughs> luke cage um, I think it's like a half dozen a couple a couple of people are doubling up but yeah we'll have our coverage of the whole season rolling out this week on previously.tv finishing up on friday very good welcome nick Thank you. Yay! So Nick, as Dave said, wrote the new show fact sheet on Luke Cage. So why don't you give us just do an, an overview of what the show is for people that might not have watched it yet. It, of course, dropped on September 30th on Netflix. Okay, so it is it is another Marvel Netflix series. It is Luke Cage, who is the superhero who is just bulletproof and super strong. And um, he was on Jessica Jones, both figuratively and literally uh, <laughs> and um he so we, he got kind of an intro there but then disappeared because there was too much baggage turned out jessica jones had killed his wife and then he uh he got turned against her by um by what's his name uh kill Killface. Killrave. Kill Killface. Killface. yeah <laughs> <laughs> um so he so he left and now we see where he went he went to harlem uh, just to try to live a quiet life, which of course he will not do because then there would be no show. <laughs> and uh, it turns out he's stepping right into the middle of a g- kind of a gang war that will ultimately affect people that he cares about. And he will have to use his super strength and super smoldering good looks in various measures to try <laughs> to protect Harlem. And um, that's that's kind of how the the show goes. And mm-hmm. uh, I I think it's it's fantastic so far. I've seen the first five episodes, and oh, okay. uh, I, I I keep loving it. We've and, um, we've watched the first ten. Was yeah, ten the last one we watched? Done. Sarah, how many have you watched? I have completed the series. <gasps> oh wow! Wow! Yeah, fuck around. 
It's so good, right? We loved it. It's really, really good. I um, mean, I don't, yeah. Oh, Sarah. Yeah. No, I don't. I don't hate it, but mm-hmm. I'm wondering if anyone. Well, I'll be interested to see how people feel when they are on the other side of all thirteen. Oh, okay. Because mm. I loved the first, like the front half. Yeah. But then the back half just really, it started to feel not even stretched out, but just like a little slow. Luke Cage himself started getting a little bit of that, um, what I call to myself, the a Sith only deals in absolutes type of <laughs> oh boy. Like, comic book hero dialogue. Yeah. Um, bodies kept dropping, which like that, like that's fine. I'm not averse to TV slash comic book property violence or anything like that, but it, it started to feel a little repetitive and a little slow, and I felt like it should have been eight or ten yeah. episodes. Well, I'll say this. We got normally when we get um <clears throat> screeners from Netflix, uh, if they don't give us the whole season, which sometimes they do, it's each usually the first six. This time they gave us seven. And we watched the first seven like all in one day, right? Maybe we watched like one yep. and six or something, but we like raced through them and that seventh episode. It's so good. Like when we got to the end of it, I understood why that was the end of what they gave to critics because that that really did feel like the not having finished the season yet. That felt like a real climax moment. And I agree. It has been the next three after that were a little bit flabby by comparison to that. Dave, would you would you agree? Yeah, and I I thought the real strength of the show was that it really didn't need even be a comic book show. Yeah, in the first half of the season. despite the fact that, you know, you just shot them and things bounced off of them. Like, it's so easy to write that a different way and still make this show, you know, a show about this guy's, you know, uh, coming up against this gang in New York and finding himself and all that, right? Then it's just a show about the guy who constantly encounters people with defective guns. (laughs) (laughs) Glocked! Um, But, you know, he could just be really good at sneaking around instead of, you know being just a guy who walks into your bullets. Um, but then in the second half, yes, they introduced some more comic booky stuff. The crazy, you know, research scientist Nemesis. guy. Uh, oh, and the, the uh, other guy. That's yeah. The, yeah. The, the shadowy reflection of, you know, the hero. His boy trope. Crowder. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I do agree with Sarah that it, it, although we're not done, that the second half feels different and inferior to the first half, but and I'm still enjoying the guy. Ride. Is fantastic. I was waiting for him to show up. He's having a ball. Yeah. I loved him on Boardwalk Empire. Yep. He Diamond, Diamondback. Like he really yeah. plays this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's really good. He's Everyone's good. really good in it, too. Yeah. Like sometimes there's oh, yeah. a scene that you're sort of like, that this could be sped up. Like, I'm not sure we need like the metaphorizing in the interrogation room all the time. There's one scene where she's like obligated to talk to a police psychologist and it's played by a guy who used to be on rescue me the guy's name is escaping me the actor's name but he's like classic new york character actor he's always on law and orders playing like a firefighter yeah and he's good and it's always nice to see him and i i like uh simone missick yep is it yes plays misty um yeah i also enjoy her husband's work on various uh procedurals that nobody watches but me um and everyone's really good, but I just felt like this isn't this is one of you know many examples we could all point to where it's like, well, we're we're budgeted for thirteen and we want to set up stories, and it's like, well, okay, but this this could have been done in ten. 
I yeah, think. I would say I'm as my, I've been a big fan of all the Marvel shows so far, but I'm not sure any of them have justified their full 13 episodes. Yeah. Even Jessica Jones, which I thought was fantastic. Mm-hmm. There were like a couple toward the end where it was like, yeah, you're a little bit marking time. And mm-hmm. I'm not sure why they insist on that. But I think it's just it, it seems like that's kind of like Netflix protocol. Well, we're almost at the end. It really did feel like this could have been season one and season two. Yeah. Like if they just did seven, seven episode, you know, that seventh episode would have been a great spot to uh, stop season one. Yeah. And I think that Marvel has so much, I mean, uh, Netflix has so much freedom and delivery and format that, you know, they could do that. Well, they it, there are lots of shows that are originals that aren't, 13. that aren't 13 episodes. Yeah. Like Love was eight, Master of None was eight. Like there are well, ones that are less yeah, than that. Maybe, sure. you know, they but could the hour dramas, it seems like they're usually 13. Right. Yes. You know, they could do a little more case yeah. by case maybe and, and, and do that. But. Um, I am enjoying the ride, but yeah, I totally agree with Sarah that it seems a little different in the back half. Um, I will say that uh, that seventh episode too, what made me like it so much was it it felt like the apotheosis of what the the all the episodes leading up to it were doing in a storytelling way, which was tell a very specific story of the black experience. And it's regrettable that it's four honkies on this podcast talking about it. Sorry. (laughs) But um, that episode, and not to spoil it too much for you, Nick, since you haven't gotten to it yet, but it tells a huge amount of backstory of um, Cottonmouth and Mariah, the city councilwoman played by Alfre Woodard. (laughs) Amazingly, by the way, holy cow, such a great role for her. Um, But it tells about the... it gives us background on their grandmother who raised them, who was also a local crime boss, which I also, when we were watching it, my one my one uh, knock on that storyline that I said to Dave at the time was, whenever you get gang stories that are set in like the late 60s or 70s, there's always that moment where someone's like, we're not going to get into drugs. Like, oh, yeah. we'll ruin the community with gambling. <laughs> yeah. We don't care about that. But drugs is like a bridge too far. Like, okay. Yeah, we'll sell your daughter <laughs> to, to the hoarder. <laughs> right. But yeah, she, we're, she ain't going to be snorting no coke. Right. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah. it did I'll see also the Godfather. Sure, yeah, yeah any number of yeah. other stories mm-hmm. too. Uh, Goodfellas too, I think. Right? Wasn't that uh, something yep. they were staying Polly. out of? Also, yeah. Polly has that. Now we got to turn my back on you. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Um, but there's a huge amount of family stuff in there, and also you know the idea of like, can there be such a thing as a respectable gang lord? You know, this was also the question in Narcos, kind of, where like Pablo had this idea of himself as a benevolent, you know, benefactor to the favelas and stuff. It was also killing people as much as they they he needed to. Which, by the way, Narcos wasn't thirteen episodes either. I think it was ten. Ten, yeah, yeah. The the, the concept that your reputation begins with the money that you got through yeah. other means, like somehow, you know, the nature of the acquisition doesn't matter to in their in their minds. I think that's interesting way yeah. to think about it but my point is mainly like it's so smart of marvel to get a black showrunner to do this show because he has not his name is cheo uh hadari coker i believe apologies if i'm yeah. pronouncing his first name wrong um but he is real specific about all of it and mm-hmm. like you know it's like it, atlanta i thought the same thing where it's like it's jarring the first time you hear someone say the n-word in like a casual way that's just like part of conversation and it ha- comes up here too it's more of a big deal here but just like that's part of this story that you have to tell in the proper way and it's smart of marvel to you know get someone to to be running it who's going to have all those thoughts in mind and not be scared of you know, yeah. pushing the storyline where it needs to go. Go ahead, Nick. Well, and the, sh- yeah, I thought the show it was really- gets into that too a little bit in terms of the vernacular and when it's quote unquote correct. Yeah. To use that word, whatever, amongst friends. Um, 
And one of my favorite parts of the show, especially in that first half, is that sense of the texture of the neighborhood and like certain shots that are like with um, Frankie Faison and Mike Coulter just sitting out in front of the (laughs) barber shop and the way their shot felt very Spike Lee to me, even though that's, you know, different neighborhood, but sort of a similar like very specific, very detailed like world building of someone's past and childhood in Lee's case it's Bed-Stuy and here it's Harlem but I really liked that feeling that reference and feeling like I was sort of eavesdropping on a whole different world and I sort of wish that uh, the show had just been about um, Luke and Bobby Fish opening the barbershop (laughs) and it had been like barbershop (laughs) three Marvel's barbershop like I would have been into that (laughs) Nick what were you gonna say (laughs) Um, I was I was gonna say like I, I I've now watched the the first episode twice because I watched it once by myself to write the fact sheet and then I watched it again with my wife Alexis and I I confirmed the second time I'm I'm like 99% sure of this you get 30 minutes into the first episode before you see a single white face and I thought that was awesome oh wow that's Beca- great and well, they that also... is not something you would have like with, with with a white showrunner they would have been like okay we're gonna have plenty of black people but we got to get some white people in here too <laughs> yeah. well they also no... with um with uh what's his name scarf scarf yeah i was trying to remember the actor's name frank whaley thank you i always come on yeah. come whaling for some reason <laughs> um like he's playing the role the black guy would have played in a different tv show the black woman usually actually yeah. gets to be the the cop who's like asking all the expository questions that or move the story you forward. get the one black guy who yeah. is the chief of the district so that he is in a position Except of power really but can <laughs> yeah. limit his screen time to yes, 30 seconds exactly. yeah. yeah 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 but also but, there was but yeah, this- no- go ahead and also just like I just enjoy the fact that like almost every character on the show is intelligent, even if they're flawed and you can like even the bad guys and stuff, you can see where they're coming from. And they have like it's it's not that kind of like gangstery show that you that you might have seen in the past, like on a network where it's like everyone is just real impulsive and violent and crazy and stuff. And like it's like everyone is really methodical on this show. And I really like that. Yeah, that's true. Uh, you were talking about attention to detail, Tara, and the the showrunner. Uh, the one the one part I really enjoyed is the music. They're, yes, they're really killing the music it. Is great. Oh, Very yeah. Lalo Schifrin or whatever that guy's name is. You know, from Schifrin. The, Schifrin. Yeah, mm-hmm. guy did. Um, well, he did a lot of black exploitation and like kung fu movies of the uh, um, of the seventies. So like Enter the Dragon stuff like that, and he can really hear his influence, especially in the title uh mm-hmm. sequence and oh, i dare yeah, anybody during the title sequence when they do the little xylophone stuff if you're not at least in your head dave is miming it for people yeah. who can't see uh yeah the music is on point and not only like the incidental music but also how they integrate you know the bar um or yeah the, the live club. music is always great yeah, too, into, yeah. In, into the story and and uh go with that yeah i i, I enjoy it yeah, we touched on her briefly, but Misty is a great character. She's uh, she's the cop who pretends to be an auditor in the pilot, and she and Luke have kind of a relationship, but not really, but kind of. Um, she's so tough and is also from the neighborhood and apparently sank all those basketball shots herself for real. She played college basketball. <laughs> Amazing. Yeah. Um, so I love it when... Uh, I don't know if that's something that's from the comic books, but if that that's just something they found out about her, the actress, and wrote it into the show, great. <laughs> they should do more of that, frankly. Um, so yeah, I've I've liked watching her. She's she's resists a lot of cop cliches from shows like this. So 
Although yeah. not the tight, tight uh, cop lady pants. That's, uh, I also enjoyed <laughs> the, uh, I love the big wink to Luke Cage's uh, 70s terrible costume uh, <laughs> as he escapes from uh, the Seagate <laughs> experimental lab. And he's got the like, he's got his 70s uniform is parts of the lab apparatus like around his head. And uh, yeah, I didn't know that, but I figured that was the case because he makes the comment about it being ridiculous. And whoever was in charge of Coulter's fro in the prison scenes, like that a few weeks pass and then it has grown like a year's worth. And he's still like, I still would have. It's this show's nod to the Jack Bristow beard. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it moved up. Moving on up. So Luke Cage, uh, medium recommend from Sarah D. Bunting, stronger recommend from the rest of the panel. Well, I, I mean, I kept watching it. I kept uh, yeah. watching all the way through. Like, it's definitely, I mean, it's still entertaining. I just, you know, once I was on the other side of it, it was like, hmm, eh, that could yeah. have been 10 hours. But yeah. time well spent overall. Very good. He doesn't like you. He's grumpy as can be. He doesn't like fun. That's plain to see. Time to ask, will Dave hate this? Probably. So we got news last week. There is talk of a Magnum P.I. sequel, not a reboot, that would revolve around Magnum's daughter. Obviously. It's be Magna. <laughs> no, it's going to be Magnum QT Pie. Oh. <laughs> Dad jokes. Uh, Magnum is, of course, a very important text to David T. Cole. It's one of your probably all-time favorite shows, would you say? Uh or maybe no. just one that you have a nostalgic love for. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Like, I, I'm not going to pretend it's a great show. It, it is well put together for a show of its time. But yeah, it's not like, you know, it's no Deadwood. All right. So let's uh, <laughs> let's let's talk this out. Nick, you think Dave will hate this? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a it's a network procedural. So it already has that going against it. True. <laughs> um, it is they, they've already shown their ability to completely ruin the memory of something with the MacGyver show, which which I know Dave hated because he wrote an article about <laughs> he it. He did. Um, and it's, you know, it's it's different producers and everything. But I mean, I, I have to assume they're just going to do the same thing, which is let's just use the brand to get people like Dave on board and then just drop in a whole bunch of generic crime solvey stuff. And I see no reason to assume that they'll do otherwise. All right. I think Dave will not hate this. I think he will probably be overall indifferent to it. It would have to be something spectacular and on like FX, for example, for Dave to be like super engaged. But one of the things he said about the MacGyver reboot that he he thought was a missed opportunity was they should have given the they should have made the protagonist female this time and switched it up that way. This is something Dave has enjoyed in the past with reboots. See also Battlestar Galactica and of course lady starbuck um so i think this is something that dave would be cautiously interested in um but that he probably would maybe like just watch one or two and then not care for the reasons that you say nick but that he it wouldn't offend him on a very deep level dave so you're taking the middle ground kind of you're not betting i will like yeah it. that, is, that is that, that is a little bit it. of a hedge but i that's fair it's not it's it's not love or hate it's hate or won't hate so i think fair. yes i think he would be i think the the change up of the protagonist would be enough to make him like want to check it out all right so first of all they haven't done any casting correct Correct. Uh, They're I still that's just right. planning. And, still in the talking phase. Yeah. Yes. Um, so I'm curious. Okay. So here's a few approaches they could take. 
first of all, I assume they're still in Hawaii because I feel like that's part of like what you need to do with a Magnum PI show. Yeah. Um, I feel like how much are they going to ape Magnum's background? Like, is she just going to be just back from Afghanistan or something like that? You know, because he was a soldier in Vietnam. Right. Uh, is she going to get together with all her childhood friends that happened after the show ended? Like the daughter of TC, the daughter <laughs> of Rick, uh, Higgins, long lost granddaughter. And they all get together and it's sort of like Fox Force 5 from... Uh, from Pulp Fiction. Sure. Um, what if the granddaughter is played by Edith from Downton Abbey? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well. Oh. <laughs> what if it's Sybil? You're not helping your case. Uh, uh, okay, so I would say that Tara is probably correct. I will definitely watch one episode out of curiosity, but unless they're doing something special with it, and like the more we get into the Netflix era, the harder it is to even give a shit about what the networks are doing because they're just <laughs> doing like the safe, like like they're just dying that slow death of, oh, try- yeah. <laughs> of trying to cater to the increasingly, you know, uh, that, that shrinking middle audience. Yeah, yeah, they're like late stage Trump campaign. They're just doubling down on everything that was already bad. <laughs> yes, and we'll talk a little bit more about that later in the episode when we talk about Timeless. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, I, I feel like this is going to be another one of those shows. Like I know ABC is making it, but that still doesn't mean it's landing on ABC. It could be ABC Studios selling it to like FX, therefore they could do more with it. But let's face it, they're not going to do that. It's going to be MacGyver all over again. What? And the problem is that it's his daughter, so they can't even cast one of your crushes like Megan Mullally or Licks <laughs> from The Hour or any of your other right. faves. Yeah. Uh, to um. Well, the, well, it's inter- Scott Thomas I, I as am, Magnum. P. I hope I. she's like, <laughs> like they're going to do this, and I'm sure they're going to do the stupid same mistake they did with MacGyver, which is they cast too young. Like right. MacGyver should have been like a mid 30s guy, and I think this this I'm not going to do the math, but what, what however it works out, let's like let's not have her be a 21 year old. Like I don't want Veronica Mars in Hawaii. Well, I, I would like like a mature. Magnum PI's daughter he, doing stuff. Did he have a daughter? Yeah, you're in the not going to get that. She's going to be did. Young. How old was she in the show? So yeah, I guess she would be mid 30s. She uh, would be my up, sister's creeping up on 40. She'd be my sister's age probably. Yeah, Leah, Leah was born in 82. Assuming so that's it's present right. day set. Right. Yes, right, right. And that's the other thing they can do, I guess. Is set the, it in the 90s? No, set it in the far future. Oh, that's true. <laughs> no. Then they could have Christian Scott. I, I'll definitely be in it for one, but I'm I, I'm just generally like it 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 they have to do something special with it to keep you there after. You know, the curiosity of the first episode or two is over. So um, I'm going to say Dave probably won't hate it because, as Tara says, he will be simply indifferent to it. (laughs) (laughs) As usual, that charming segue means it's time for another segment of The Blotter Presents. Um, the same day as they dropped Luke Cage and a bunch of other stuff, Netflix also dropped uh, the documentary Amanda Knox about Amanda Knox. What? If you're not familiar with the case, this is the American exchange student who was accused of murdering her roommate in Italy in 2007, despite the fact that there was very little forensic evidence to tie her to the crime. Um, she acted non-standard, let's say, afterwards. And was convicted in the court of public opinion and then in actual court. And she and her boyfriend of, I think, five days as when the murders were committed, wound up spending four years in prison each. Then uh, the convictions were vacated. Then they were reinstated. And then finally, in 2015, the case 
reached its final disposition when the highest court in Italy not only said that they weren't guilty, but were like, they're innocent, period, full stop. The woman who was killed, Meredith Kircher's family, does still believes that they were involved somehow. Amanda Knox sent this quote-unquote boyfriend. Um, she has been historically, she did show up on that um, MTV true crime show, Unlocking the Truth. Oh, really? Because now that it. she's back in the States, she is a, she advocates for um, re-examining cases like her own here in the States. She's an advocate for um, the unjustly convicted, I guess. But she has tended to stay out of the spotlight, and it took the filmmakers, I think, four or five years to get her to be on camera. This may have not been the the best call on her part. She still is a little... I mean, I'm not a doctor. I don't have any expertise in this. I think she is perhaps not neurotypical. Mm-hmm. Still seems unable to... Um, like get out of her own way in terms of how she comes off. So there's some like kind of unattractive moments of self-pity and then like these very canned sounding things that she says to camera. Mm. It is a pretty, it's a well-made interesting movie, but I felt like it could have pushed harder on how, how this happened. Like a, how this might happen to someone who isn't, neurotypical like how they might not understand how they're appearing and how that could that could dig a hole for them and as they go through the interrogate interrogation process and the investigation and all that stuff and also why like whether this would have happened to a man because i don't i'm pretty sure it wouldn't have Mm. so the documentary was fine it's pretty good i don't think you need to be in a rush to view it it's it was a little disappointing i felt like it should have pushed a little harder on like questioning how this happened and why it happened to her the way it did Hmm. it's always funny when these things come out because i it's when i realized who on my twitter timeline is really into true crime because everyone was tweeting about this on sun on friday night it seemed like way more than we're uh, commenting on Luke Cage for sure. And uh, Emily Gordon, for example, from the meltdown on Comedy Central tweeted like, why didn't they say anything about testing the poop in the toilet? Like, these are people who really know about the case, which is yeah. always funny to me. <laughs> well, that, and that's that's another thing. Like, the, if you know the case quite well, this might feel a little slow. Yeah. I thought it was a good overview without being, like, boring for someone who, you know, like me, runs a true crime blog and is like, mm-hmm, poo, check, blood right. drops, check. Like, right. it's it's still, it still moves along. There are a few shots in there, like, moody shots of Nick Pisa, Daily Mail journalist, like, <laughs> staring moodily off his balcony. That's like, fuck was that for? Right. Like, Mrs. Pisa? I think she already <laughs> took that picture. Whatever. <laughs> But yeah, it's. I mean, it's good. It's like B B minus. And you wrote it up for previously TV, so we will link to that in the show notes. Yes, I did. And now we have a message for Danielle. Danielle's sister Erica tells us that Danielle is quote the ultimate TV buff unquote and constantly telling her family members what shows they should watch. And since it's her birthday, we wanted to help Danielle uphold her reputation as the family recommendation engine. And given that Erica tells us Danielle's favorite shows when Erica was younger were Beverly Hills 90210, Felicity, <laughs> and Dawson's Creek, here's our list of five current shows that fans of late 90s, early oddies, teen shows should check out. Number five, The Affair. Pacey Witter's still a bad boy. Such a bad boy, in fact, that he's messing with other people's marriages. 
Number four, Animal Kingdom. Speedy's a criminal with a heart of gold and abs of steel. The Americans. Felicity's grown up into a wife, mother, travel agent, and spy. And sometimes you see her butt. Number two, Riverdale. The CW's take on Archie Comics hasn't premiered yet, but tell everyone to keep an eye out because Luke Perry's finally aged into his forehead creases and he's playing Archie's dad. (laughs) And number one, my mad fat diary, pram face, fresh meat, and the in-betweeners because high school slash college shows are alive and well in England and you can find them streaming on Hulu or Netflix. From all of us here, and especially from Erica. (gasps) Happy Happy birthday, It is time to go around the dial. I'm first for some reason this week, so I'm going to start us off with Westworld. It's a show about robots. <laughs> robots who might want to feel. <laughs> robots. I don't know why I'm thinking this. Robots. I don't do either. Is it a musical? Because I was going to watch it, but no, it's I'm not a sure. a tribute to Ed Harris's uh, title song. <laughs> the end of that what was that oh my god what was it that terrible western Appalooza? He yes Appalooza. Appalooza. that he wrote and recorded oh yeah you gotta check out the end song yeah, yeah, yeah. just just Woo! stream stream that movie skip right to the credits here ed harris director of said movie i believe also I sing right. the title of that yeah and that's my review of westworld moving on <laughs> uh this i think hbo really wants this to be their next sort of thinky long-running series i don't know if it's gonna be that it was a little (laughs) underwhelming the pilot i thought yeah um basically it's old west groundhog day setup to it and um (laughs) i'm not sure if they have anything interesting and new to say about ai that hasn't already been said before i'm not seeing anything new right yeah yeah, I watched the first two episodes. I really enjoyed it. Uh, I mean, I, I, there are definitely like I have questions. I have like a few issues with. Like, what are your the questions, Nick? Because I bet I can answer. <laughs> well, my my main question is why is this fun for anyone? Because they're basically just playing a video game on God mode. You can't you can't get hurt. You <laughs> yeah. just anytime you see someone, you just shoot them and they're dead. Like that doesn't seem like that seems to like defeat the whole purpose of that's like, true. Extend, I was in more danger zip creating like here. a multi billion dollar video game. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think you're forgetting about the fucking part because the pilot didn't well, talk yes. about it that much. But I assume that's a big part of the appeal that you go to Westworld and fuck some robot hookers yeah but why don't they just make it like a broth a virtual brothel and like save like 90 percent of the budget it does seem very (laughs) elaborate and they even have because they couldn't call the show fuck world so they had to (laughs) find some (laughs) other good (laughs) true um i thought it was a little boring i also thought the whole the the overarching the theme park premise made it less interesting to me uh than for example humans which has is the other recent show thank you (laughs) the other recent show about um extremely realistic human uh androids who also you know may or may not want to feel or whatever um that was to me it was more compelling because it set it put them in a domestic context it was like this is how real people in a real world setting would deal with having this technology as part of their lives versus something like this, where it's just like, well, this is like going to the hall of presidents, except they can actually come out and kiss you or whatever. Oh my God. That's a series. <laughs> the hall, it's the same concept. Hall of, the hall of presidents goes like they start to think of for themselves. Wow. That's great. Oh, what's Van Buren up to this week? 
<laughs> oh my god, here comes Taft. <clears throat> Having to be able to come out and kiss you, they really should have added once they put Bill Clinton in there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's all right. I mean, the, the performances are good. It's always interesting. The, the reason that I was also put in mind of humans is that in the pilot, the, uh, one of the robot figures who's been, they're called hosts in the show, who's been malfunctioning because he found a confusing photo in the field and it's making him wonder all about his existence and stuff. And so you see him getting examined backstage and and watching the, that actor like sort of do the tiny robotic like glitch mo- movements, that stuff is interesting to me, but it also takes you out of the story. If you're like, you're not, you're probably not supposed to be watching the acting that much, <laughs> although right. it was good. What troubles me is the uh, inefficient use of office space in the uh, back halls of Westworld. <laughs> yeah. They have these giant sort of like uh, low key, what's that show? The weakest link set labs. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All they're missing are like dancing blue lasers. Well, it's these And huge... there's like one robot for like every half a warehouse sitting in a chair in this giant room yeah. with no apparatus in it. No, it's true. Each each of these rooms is like the size of our house with like a stool in it. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, well, and, and like how much staff do they have at this thing? Like they have there there's presumably like hundreds of robots at this but the head programmer can sit there with one robot for like 2 hours <laughs> each night just to be like i wonder if she's touching her face correctly like don't you have bigger fish to fry like <laughs> and me as a consumer going to westworld am i paying for those giant labs in the back yeah. that don't need to be that big am i paying for the air conditioning to cool them to make sure that all of the decommissioned robots don't melt honestly yeah it just seems like come on guys let's well, let's well, let's deal let's get an efficiency expert in there let's get uh lorelei gilmore from news radio in there <laughs> well, let's get them I've, ticket costs down let's get marcus limonis andrea oh, plan b I, thank you yeah i feel like you. some kind of big reveal might be coming as far as like the like the the setup of the whole place because you see there's in the second episode I'm not I'm not giving too much away here but you see uh uh what's his name uh Jimmy uh I don't know the the guy playing one of the new guests go James in Marsden. like no uh Jimmy Jimmy Simpson oh yeah, Jimmy okay Simpson. yeah mm-hmm. um he he goes he's he's a new guest he's like you, you see him like get fitted for his costume and everything and then he goes through a door and suddenly he's on a moving train. And so I wonder if like this whole thing is actually going to turn out to be like a, like virtual, including uh, maybe the office space. And everyone's just kind of like plugged into stuff as opposed to it being a physical space. Turtles all the way up. Yeah. Yeah. So Dave, you're interested enough to keep watching. I guess I'm going to watch a couple episodes too. to see where they take it. But like based on the pi- if I if I only had the pilot to watch, I'd be like uh, nothing I haven't seen before. Yeah, it was a little blah to me, too. Yeah. All right. Speaking of a little blah, Dave and I also this week watched uh, Timeless. We did a joint new show fact sheet, which we will link to in the show notes. Um, it, this is uh, NBC's time travel show. It's on Monday nights at 10 p.m. Eastern after The Voice. Um, and it stars Amantha from Rectify as a history professor and the son from Commander in Chief as an old Delta Force guy and um, Johnson from Peep Show as a billionaire. And Lem from Better Off Ted is a lab guy. And um, so the billionaire has built this time machine and bad guys have stolen one. It turns out he had to uh, like in contact. He secretly built <laughs> a second a spare. one. 
Yeah. The bad guy, the lead bad guy, or is he, is Goran V. Sneak, and he is playing a character named Garcia Flynn with his usual <laughs> Croatian accent. So explain Jesus. that one. I wonder if he owned, this is for Joe Reed, I wonder if he owned Garcia's Irish pub in <laughs> Buffalo. <laughs> anyway, um, so they have to go back in time and make sure that the bad people don't fuck with the timeline and change history. And so in the first episode they go back to the crash of the Hindenburg and have to basically make sure that it still crashes one way or another um and then they come back and has the present changed yes and no um so <laughs> anyway it's 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 okay it's but it's an NBC sci-fi show so first of all we all can be fairly sure from past experience they have not had a sci-fi hit since heroes this is not going to last <laughs> one way or another it's not going to work even with the voice as a lead in um, but it's and Heroes also, has a big asterisk on it, too. It certainly yeah. does. Absolutely. But as I wrote in the post, like they haven't stopped chasing that high <laughs> since, since no, that was a hit haven't. in season one. Like they've still they still keep trying to do it with the event and whatever the fuck else. Bionic woman. Remember that one? There's a, they, they keep trying. Uh, it keeps not working. Um, but as we also wrote in our post, the second episode is the assassination of Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> so they're already <laughs> jumping to events that people presumably know a little bit more about and are more marquee moments in history and i was like eh, and dave was like i might watch that again dave your thoughts no well what i said and i stand by what i said in the article which is this show needs to really do bonkers shit with a timeline you know like actually show consequences beyond just these like tiny little micro changes that seem to happen just in- indiscriminately like the end of the first episode the hindenburg goes down Late hours later than it did originally, uh, and then they warp back to the present, and they're back at the you know the government billionaire joint task force lab, and like nothing's really changed. Everybody still knows who they are, even though like the whole mission part of it is. And then like the lead goes home, and her sister never existed. Like okay, how does that happen? But like everybody still knows everything that's going on in you know at at the lab. Like like. Like the lab somehow exists in in like a impermeable time <laughs> a time bubble. free zone. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. So let's just like okay, they're not really like building a rule book for time travel beyond you can't go back to where you've already been, otherwise you'll turn inside out like like the Simpsons fog or something. Right. And so let's just like okay, the rule book doesn't matter beyond that one thing. So just fucking go bonkers with history and just like do crazy shit. You know, as I said, I said something like when they come back, I want a state named Barry and his chief export <laughs> is yellow. Like that's how crazy I wanted to get to be entertaining. They're not really going to go there. Like there's shows, there's been shows like this before. Um, it really feels like a summer show. Uh, as I said, it would have paired well with Zoo, you know, like it's that caliber show. And it's sounding like Sliders a little bit to me. It's Sliders and Voyagers sort of together. It's okay. You know, if this was a summer show, I could have said, yep, this is a good, you know, brain off summer show, but I suspect it'll have too much competition in the fall to really go the distance. Yeah, it's pretty corny. Yeah. Um, and for my plug, I just want to mention American Horror Story is back. I was at first irritated that it started so early this year because that meant it was opposite Catfish, which meant I couldn't live tweet the last two episodes of the Catfish season, which, as you know, is my joy. But this also means, as I later read uh, and Ryan Murphy noted in an interview, um, the whole season is going to be wrapped up by Thanksgiving. Nothing bad about that. Good job, FX. So um, if you want to follow along with this season, I am doing particles of it. And you can see those at previously.tv. Now it is time for Nick. 
Nick. Okay, so uh, I, I want to talk about this uh, Australian web series that I have been obsessed with for the last few months. Um, it's called The Catering Show, and uh, it is it is hosted and produced by two Australian comedians, Kate McLennan and Kate McCartney. And it's kind of a a spoof of a like high flute and cooking show. It's sort of I, I would describe it as like a cross between like a Rachel Ray type show and Look Around You. Um, because it, it gets it gets very like ridiculous and meta with like the like one of their there's a lot of like sight gags in it like you know how on those cooking shows they always have like okay now we're gonna like put this in the oven and then you see like the perfect insert shot of someone putting something into the oven they always like fuck around with that somehow like they'll just they'll have like an insert shot of just someone turning on a faucet and then it just stays on that for like five minutes um but it's uh or like, you know, trying to like arrange something neatly and then the hand kind of gives up on it and just mashes it all in or something. Um, but uh, it's it's a really, really funny show. It's Since it's a web series, each episode is only like 10 minutes. So you could burn through like the whole first season in a night. There's two seasons of it. I think a total of like maybe around 15 to 20 episodes. <laughs> and the, the premise of the show is that um, one of them is like wants to be Martha Stewart and the other one is allergic to everything. <laughs> so, so they always like start off like, okay, we're going to make this amazing dish and then we're going to make like an allergen friendly version of it. And then it like eliminates everything and turns it into like disgusting garbage. Um, but, uh, I also, to explain a little more clearly, I have a clip which I've given to Dave. So let's hear that. These days, food isn't about how it tastes. It's about impressing people on social media with how it looks. <laughs> fuck how it tastes. Fuck how it tastes. Seriously, fuck how it tastes. It's about decanting some soft drink into a mustard jar wrapped in weeds and shoelaces. It's about set dressing your food so it looks like you work for Gourmet Traveller. But you don't, do you? You just have an iPhone and a Nashville filter like every other asshole in the world. <laughs> and so you take your photo of your ducker eggs and then you just sit there tracking your ASOS order and waiting for 11 likes that never fucking come. <laughs> yeah. So that's what the show's like. It's sold. It's, it's very, it's very funny and honest and like, like willing to like get dark about stuff in the, between the first and second season, they both uh, had babies. So there's like a lot of discussion of like how exhausted they are and stuff like that. And it's, it's just a, a, a really funny entertaining show that I would recommend. Just it's the, both seasons are on YouTube so you can find it anywhere. And, um, I, I give it a full-throated recommendation. I think it will right, we'll make you laugh that. a lot if you enjoy it. The, uh, the um, thing about the insert shots makes me think of, it sounds very look around you-ish. That's what, yeah, I, I, mentioned, I said it's like a cross between like oh, a Rachel sorry. Ray type show and look around Wait, you. Pay attention, <laughs> <sorry>. <laughs> it's so early. Um, and then briefly, just since I've only seen one episode of it so far, I just wanted to mention um, Alexis and I watched the first episode of Easy on Netflix the other night. I really liked it. Um, it's, a, it's like an anthology romantic comedy show. AMC Network's Sundance Now is a premium streaming video service offering a rich selection of prestige dramas, heart-stopping thrillers, and gripping true crime series from around the world. Sundance Now believes that life is more enriching when experienced through perspectives that differ from our own. Why is Sundance Now so awesome? Sundance Now's catalog includes award-winning original content, international exclusives, and hard-to-find properties at a fair price. You get premium content and no commercials for as low as $4.99 a month with an annual membership. And you can enjoy it anywhere. Sundance Now works on all your favorite devices. Download the app or watch online on Apple and Android devices, Amazon Fire TV, Google Chromecast, Roku, and more. 
My favorite aspect of Sundance Now is their documentary library. Pop culture investigations like The Cult of J.T. Leroy, The Pussy Riot Doc, and that must-see for Project Runway fans, Bill Cunningham, New York. But the catalog is impressively deep on the true crime front, too. There are lots of films I've covered for my true crime newsletter, but just as many I haven't had a chance to watch yet, and I had to force myself not to start Valentine Road instead of recording this ad, so... Let's get to that promo code so that I can get back to the film, and you can join me free for 30 days. Start streaming your next obsession. To try Sundance Now free for 30 days, go to SundanceNow.com and use promo code EHG. That's S-U-N-D-A-N-C-E-N-O-W.com and use promo code EHG for 30 days of free streaming. Thanks, Sundance Now! from joe swanberg who's the guy who makes all these like super low budget indie movies uh that are kind of like you know uh, well he's like one of the mumblecore people so it's like very like honest angsty stuff but i like this show a lot better than i've liked what i've seen of his movies it's um i I think like compressed into like 20 minutes because each each show is about that um it works much better and the, the first episode is um the I can't remember the actor's name. The guy who played Piper's brother on uh, on Orange Is the New Black. Oh, Michael is, Chernus. Yes, Michael Chernus. Um, his wife, unfortunately for Tara, is played by Elizabeth Reeser, but she's very good in it. <laughs> um, I'll take your word and, for it. And so they like they're playing like a, a couple with kids, and they just ha- like just having like kind of conventional modern couple problems, where like she's the breadwinner and he feels a little bit like he's he's not insecure about that at first but then they're at a party and people are like yeah people couples where like the the husband doesn't work have less sex and couples where like the husband like the wife does all the housework have more sex and there's like all this discussion about like is you know is this are these like very like anti-feminist ideas actually valid and stuff and um and it's it's just kind of a, a from from based on the first episode it's a it's a fun and interesting show and you know probably worth checking out one or two um, and for plugs, I, my podcast making the sausage is on hiatus currently. I'm trying to bank some more episodes, but I've been booking people and recording. I've, I've got one more episode in the can that was really fun to do. And I'm working on another episode that will hopefully fingers crossed, have a really, really cool guest. Um, the, really cool niche wise. Like if you're, you'll, you'll either be like, who is that? Or you'll be like, oh my God, that's amazing. But, uh, uh, stay tuned, and hopefully in uh, in the next couple of months, we'll have some more stuff to show you. Very good. Dirty Bunting. Um, so, yeah, pitch debuted. <clears throat> it's it's not great. Um, I wish it were. I wish it like sucked. The problem is it doesn't it doesn't suck. Uh, all of this may not matter. Apparently, its ratings are really not good. Mm, yeah. Um, I don't, I mean, sometimes Fox like cancel something immediately because of that. Other times it'll just let it ride. This is sort of a weird spot for Fox to be in with it because they have so much of the baseball postseason and the show is about the first lady major league baseball player. But here's the problem with the show. It's, there's not enough baseball. Like (laughs) it's, it's trying so hard and I totally get why this is necessary, especially in a pilot. So I was willing to let a lot of that go, but it's like really terrified of alienating people who might decide to check it out in spite of the baseball. So it's cramming in all these like 
stories around the edge that are more like emotional and less about the sport mm-hmm. is a and then b it's also loading up all these storylines that are about the sport but like would be fairly accessible and obvious and they're not too like granular baseball nerdy which is also fine but like to take three things off right a and b just be about baseball like I sometimes wonder if that's not the problem with all these shows that have tried to be about baseball and then failed because they weren't enough about baseball. Like, the drama's all right in there. And we're in peak TV. You don't actually need that many people to love the show. But if it if it were more about the sport and it got it right, you'd probably have a very loyal, granted old, but loyal demographic <laughs> as it is. Most of the baseball fans that I know who have checked it out are like, yeah, it's not. Sarah, can it's I just something? Can I present the non-baseball person's uh, opposing Please do. point? Baseball's boring. <laughs> That's the point. It's not for you. Like it shouldn't. Hit, it shouldn't. Yeah, be trying I'm to saying be baseball's boring. Right. I'm never going to watch a show about baseball. Therefore, if this show okay, is about but, baseball, but, but so you guys show, agree. Yes. If you're told by someone else, like, oh, this show is like that, sort of like the catalyst of the plot. But it's actually about her like emotional right. narrative. Are you going to watch that either? Personally, no. <laughs> no, but, but I understand their math there. I understand what 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 they're thinking. Yeah, someone was yeah. like, Friday underst- Night Lights worked on people who don't like football, yes. but it sounds like they're not doing the story parts as well as Friday Night Lights did, as few things well, do. Yeah, they're just yeah, they're just not getting that sort of like texture of the people, right? As as much and like the the dialogue is really a lot of cliches that like especially in a story about baseball which is like a cliche otron ad at walker basically <laughs> and i say this with love you, you really gotta look out for that shit here's what's having me stick with it is that some of the performances are really good and they're like they have a lot of actors who i like especially mark paul Gosselar, who I wasn't a Saved by the Bell watcher, but I've loved everything I've seen him in for the last 10 years, including a play I saw. Oh, yeah. I saw that play. He was amazing in with Julie White and Justin Kirk. Yep, we saw that play. Get in the truck. Um, Yeah, he's awesome and he's really selling a lot of this stuff. But between Michael Beach, Ghost Dad and Allie Larder's backstory, whatever, I wrote this up last week, but we found out like why Allie Larder's movie super agent decided to like leave it all behind and come to like a you know muddy field in the middle of texas and sign a ball player when she doesn't know anything about baseball and it's so retrograde i wanted to barf um i i kind of hope they just take it out behind the (laughs) behind the batting cage and shoot it during the postseason because i just it's not it's not working Mm, well nothing else Um, what was it the adat walker of Cliche Cliche-tron Adat Walker. <laughs> it's just uh, this giant lumbering oh, machine of cliches. Like, uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. <laughs> Bless its heart. Last day of the season as we record this. Um, my plug is for another uh, podcast that I do called Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs, in which, spoiler, Mark Blankenship and I talk about songs. Our most recent episode, which I believe was number 28, um, is all about folk songs, and it was inspired by a (laughs) song that got stuck in our heads after Mark Blankenship on a recent episode presented a real-world episode for the canon, and there was a folk song in it, and so we were like, it got stuck in our heads, we were obsessed with it, 
People clocked us on the forums for making fun of it. <laughs> we did a podcast clocking ourselves for making fun of it. <laughs> and then we talked a lot about the Indigo Girls and had emotions about Dar Williams. Uh, once again, it's called Mark and Sarah Talk About Songs. And you can download it on iTunes or Dave's very favorite podcast service, Stitcher. <laughs> <laughs> All right, everybody, it is time for the canon. Nick, take it away. Okay, I am presenting uh, the show Garfunkel and Oates, uh, ep- season one, episode three. It's called Speechless. Um, I know this is one of those cases where I'm going to have to lay down some background info to get everyone on the same page, because I'm sure a lot of people are not familiar with either the show or the band that inspired it. Uh, Garfunkel and Oates, the band, were formed in 2007. They consist of Ricky Lindholm and Kate Micucci, both comedic actors who you tend to see in a lot of guest roles on sitcoms. Kate Micucci also co-starred on Raising Hope and the ninth season quasi-reboot of Scrubs. Uh, Ricky plays guitar, Kate plays ukulele, and the songs they sing are typically very sweet and catchy, but also extraordinarily filthy and or brutally honest about uncomfortable topics. Uh, One of their most recent hits was called God's Loophole, and it's about how super Christian high school girls will have anal sex with their boyfriends and only anal sex, because according to their interpretation of the Bible, that doesn't really count as premarital relations. Um, Anyway... Uh, the show is inspired by their lives and their songs, and they're they're both playing themselves, Seinfeld or Kirby Enthusiasm style, or at least a mostly accurate version of themselves. And the episodes typically cover the same topics that their songs do. So it's uh, in that respect, it's also a little bit like Flight of the Concords, um, except definitely like less shaggy than that show and more conventionally sitcom-y. And I think this particular episode really encapsulates the show's high points. Uh, the plot is super simple. It's kicked off when Ricky and Kate run into their friend Nick and his girlfriend Jane, and Jane just never talks at all, even in response to pointed direct questions that Ricky asks her. But Nick clearly adores her, so Ricky starts to wonder if there's something deeper going on here, as we'll hear in our first clip. So wait, you think Jane is deliberately not talking? Yeah, and it's working. No, I am sorry, but that is not what guys like Nick want. You know, most guys want a partner, someone they're not going to get bored with. The older I get, the less true I think that is. (laughs) Wait, what if we, like, try it? Try what? Pulling a Little Mermaid. We won't say anything and see how they respond. Just as, like, an experiment. No, I don't know if I want to tank my date like that. What if I really like the guy? Oh, you won't. Karen fixed us up. That's a good point. Okay. So, wait. (laughs) So, like, we just don't talk a lot? No. We don't talk at all. Just to see how long we can go before it gets really awkward. Okay. Yeah. But there is no way that this is going to last more than five minutes. Of course, in classic sitcom style, the experiment <laughs> lasts a lot longer than five minutes. Uh, the guys that Kate and Ricky meet on their blind date are completely unfazed by their muteness. Uh, Matthew, the alpha bro of the two, is played by T.J. Miller, who has done some version of this role in literally every TV show and movie you've seen in the last five <laughs> years. But he always does it well, especially uh, in this montage where we see just how much he and his friend enjoy hearing themselves talk. Well, basically, I dared this guy to eat an entire bottle of paste. <laughs> And I pissed myself. I was so scared when he started to do it. So I look him in the eyes and I say, this is in contract law. <laughs> so I had this terrible uh, pain in both my feet for a week and a half. Oh my God, that reminds me. I had the craziest dream the other night. The worst of God. <laughs> Iron Man is just a billionaire in a suit. It's the difference between Bruce Wayne and Zeus Wayne. Why does Cotton feel the need to advertise? Top three, equestrian magazines in order. Practical Horseman. Yes! Every county department's got a Greg, right? And our Greg is no exception. (laughs) You gotta meet this guy. (laughs) 
Um, there, there's a lot of great wordless acting from Ricky and Kate in this episode, perhaps not surprisingly. And this scene is just the tip of the iceberg. But I love the couple of moments where the guys suddenly let out like this burst of cheer in response to whatever sports game they're watching. And Kate just has this perfect little jolt of horror like she's in a plane that just hit turbulence. Um, it probably helps that this episode, along with uh, most of the others in the series, was directed by Fred Savage, who is a true master of underplayed reactions, as anyone who's seen The Grinder can attest. Um, anyway, the date is apparently a total success from the guy's point of view, and Ricky's date even sends her multiple batches of flowers. So now she feels like they really have to see how far they can take this ruse. Uh, she goes to Matthew's house for a second date, they cook dinner together, and you'd think that this more intimate setting would make the whole speechless thing come to a head, but nope, it absolutely doesn't. And in fact, Matthew feels so comfortable with mute Ricky that he confesses his deepest secret to her. I don't know why I'm spilling all this now. It's just, you have soft eyes. I'm an orphan. I don't usually tell people that because then they throw me some pity party, but my parents died in a fire and I floated around from foster home to foster home, but it wasn't a big deal. Like nobody ever like touched me or did anything weird, which I think gave me some negative body issues, but <laughs> most people just can't imagine what it's like to be an orphan. So, you know what I mean? Wait, do you know what I mean? Oh my God, you're an orphan. No, no, it's okay. You don't have to be secretive about it. I was secretive forever. I, look, if you're not an orphan, then just look me in the eyes and tell me so. I knew it. An orphan always knows. Come here. There's nothing to be ashamed of. That's not your fault. Uh, meanwhile, Kate goes over to her date's house to hang out with him and his gay couple friends, and her inability to speak proves to be quite a liability when they all play win, loser, draw, and she can't even name the son. Uh, she's getting tired of this experiment. She's sure that Darren isn't going to call her again, but Ricky admits that she's kind of enjoying the whole silence thing, and she wants to see how much longer she can make it last. So she plans a third date with Matthew, which entails going to his house to watch sports with his friends. But as it turns out, the third time is not the charm because she quickly finds herself in a situation where she absolutely cannot remain silent. My girlfriend wants me to go see that AIDS musical. Oh, yeah, yeah. The one about Greg Louganis? No, the one about the Bible. Well, it's not about the Bible, dude. It's Greg Louganis music. Right, but his character, the guy who plays him, sings this song where he's like, 500 days. Yeah, yeah. But, but it's about the Bible in Africa. It's Greg Louganis. He dies of AIDS, right? Because he's dead. Yeah. You've got a base, right? Well, don't ruin the whole movie. I haven't seen it yet. Well, I'm sorry, but it, this is what it's about. My family guy creator. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. The AIDS <laughs> musical you're talking about is Book of Mormon. And people in it have AIDS, but that's not the major plot point. It's not based on the Bible, but it's about these two missionaries who go to Uganda to recruit people into the Mormon church. And the AIDS musical you're talking about is Rent, and it's 525,600 minutes, which is how many minutes are in a year. Greg Louganis is not involved in any way. He's also still alive. Uh, so her, her up is, is uh, thankfully not a deal breaker. In fact, Matthew actually enjoys it. But the thing that does tank the relationship is when Matthew sees a YouTube video of Kate and Ricky singing their famous hand job song. And he's righteously offended that she makes a living spreading this kind of filthy material. So that leads to Ricky admitting what she's been doing or rather not doing for the duration of the relationship. And Matthew is offended by that, too. And they finally call it quits. Uh, but Kate's relationship with Darren is still going strong. They're enjoying a picnic. She's showing him some of her cartoons. And he's absolutely infatuated with her until he asks her one small question that tips the whole cart over. <laughs> Um, I'm not sure if this is rude, but I've been dying to know. What exactly do you have? Are you um, autistic or, or just slow? Or, 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 and I know you're not retarded, retarded, but like mildly, maybe, right? You think I'm retarded? Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Challenged. What? No! I... It's okay. <laughs> 
My sister is. I'm into it. I've, I've, I've always wanted to marry God, a girl just no, like her. Isn't that, isn't that illegal or something? Not with parental permission or if you're a licensed caregiver, which I am. You think I'm retarded? Only in the best way. And then Kate mentally flashes back through all the goofy little behaviorisms she's been demonstrating, which she acknowledges could definitely cause someone to get the wrong idea. Um, Unless the experiment is over, and so is the episode, except for the final tag where we see Jane, the original mute girlfriend, screaming at a valet attendant and proving that she is, as Ricky hypothesized, pulling a little mermaid. Uh, Like I said, this is a super simple plot. There's not even a B story, but I think it's a great example of just using classic sitcom structure to build to a lot of very funny moments and really showcasing the talents of Kate Micucci and Ricky Lindholm, who also co-wrote the episode. Uh, I really like how the gimmick of the episode is treated because it's clearly not just a sitcom-y gimmick. There's some real uncomfortable sociological truth behind it. And early on when Ricky just casually says that as she gets older, she doesn't think guys actually want a partner who will challenge them in any way. Um, And even in that first scene with Nick and Jane, where Jane keeps smiling and deferring to Nick, it's very funny but I think the reason it's funny is because we've all seen couples like that in real life and it's very creepy (laughs) and you wonder afterwards what the hell that relationship is like behind closed doors Um, so there's a lot of real stuff packed in here the social commentary never threatens to overwhelm the comedy and what's more the script doesn't paint Ricky and Kate as some kind of heroes for being willing to do the experiment even though it definitely does expose some shallowness and obliviousness on the guy's behalf Uh, The performances are great, too, since they both spend a good chunk of the episode not saying anything. Um, There are, as I mentioned earlier, lots of opportunities for great silent acting for both of them. And it helps that Mikuchi and Lindholm both have such uniquely expressive faces. Um, But even beyond that, the episode really plays on the personalities that they've established through their music and their comedy, where Ricky tends to be the more hard-bitten pessimistic one, and Kate is like so doe-eyed and gleeful about things that she seems like a cartoon character. And both of those character traits get tweaked in very funny ways in this episode, since Ricky is the one who initiates the experiment out of kind of a misanthropic curiosity only to see it backfire and succeed in unexpected ways and with Kate there's that perfect punchline where she's forced to acknowledge just how off kilter she can come off in certain contexts Um, it pokes fun at the way she behaves but also lets her be in on the joke Uh, This series only lasted eight episodes, and Ricky Lindholm has said it was not the greatest experience since she and Kate weren't allowed to be the showrunners, which is what led her to demand showrunner status last year when she created Another Period with Natasha Leggero. But in spite of that, I think it was a great show in a lot of respects and did a great job of translating the Garfunkel Notes brand of humor into solid half-hour stories, whereas so many other attempts to make that same kind of transition have been at best interesting failures. So I say this knowing full well that it's a long shot, but I would like (laughs) to see this episode in the canon. Should I go first? Okay, you mentioned um, T.J. Miller having played this role in any number of other sitcoms. In fact, he was also playing a version of this role in a recent canon submission in the most recent Happy Endings that we uh, considered a few months ago that he played Shershow in that uh, season finale episode. (laughs) Uh, Opposite June Diane Raphael, another um, comedy mainstay of our times. Um, I I liked the the moments that were sort of... the, the. Ricky, you mentioned the the thing about Ricky saying um, she doesn't think guys want a partner. And uh, the other one that I loved that was similar was um, when she's leaving uh, Matthew's place and <laughs> she, he's they just had this huge fight and then she's about yeah. to walk out and then goes to all of his friends who have gathered for this game. That painting totally looks like a butthole, right? Okay, I just had to say it. <laughs> yeah. Like the, yeah. the naturalistic moments, I think, work much better for me than the really mannered sort of very uh cartoony ones which the main plot was for me kind of um i did Uh watch the show when it was on um but it did not always work for me uh the the in this particular episode this the integration of the sports song clearly this was a song that they had already written like before the show happened and so oh yeah to the episode it felt like kind of 
awkward. Um, and also that song was kind of condescending. I don't even like sports. I definitely agree with them. And still, I was like, come on now. This is a, this is a little much. Although it went on for a while. Too. It kept like, going. But while. it was funny to watch the video parts of it because Ricky is obviously a very good dancer and Kate can't dance at all. So the parts where they were doing aerobics were <laughs> that was kind of funny because she did not know what she was doing. Um, but ultimately, uh, oh, one more thing that I have to say uh, is that they these two have always bugged me as a musical act. And this is so dumb. And I'm not a music fan, but I'm just going to say it because now it's come up. There are two of you. Learn harmony. Why do they always sing everything in unison? What's the point of having two voices singing the exact same notes? I know this is crazy, but now I've said it. Um, I, I knew that. I knew that was part of why I knew it was a long shot. <laughs> is this something I've expressed before? God. Uh, anyway, yeah. um, I thought it was okay, um, but I, I wouldn't necessarily think it was a, a super home run or touchdown in terms of uh, the sports story. Sarah. Um, I really enjoyed watching it, but I ended up having to fast forward through the song. Like I felt like I was in a tesseract of some kind. It just kept going. Um, but like it was the little teeny throwaway moments that I liked. Like when Kate is like, remember the time we bought a green pepper? We're so optimistic. (laughs) Which is like really spoke to me as someone who doesn't cook, like keeps trying to and keeps not accepting her basic nature which is to use her oven as a shoe closet um and then the there's a line in the beginning where ricky's like shows about rape and murder just kind of put me to sleep which is supposed to be this really like i think showy controversial line but i was like mm-hmm. like that's i think most of the people i know i've heard her on podcast talking about how she always like she puts on svu on netflix to go to sleep like that's a real thing that yeah. she really does i have done that before yep. um Except Amara Sodes, uh, which you will hear next week on the Law & Order podcast. Um, and the, it's little things like how many times TJ Miller says Trish trying to get another <laughs> yeah. pitcher of beer. You like keep thinking it's going to stop. And then there's one more and you're like that. It's like exactly the right number of Trishes to yeah. make it obnoxious and tell you who that guy is. Um I really liked it. I acknowledge what Tara is saying. And now I am going to be annoyed by that. Two voices, one melody line thing because it i feel like it's supposed to be that like it's supposed to give it more of a sense of like amateurish normcore isn't this cute versus actually being competent um one other note which i don't think is really gonna like land with anyone else jane is played by ashley johnson who is now patterson the lab analysis nerd on blind spot oh yeah which i thought was really funny because she um that character is like extremely competent never shuts up (laughs) and like is dude nip because of that so i just thought that was a funny contrast that it was that actress um so yeah i didn't watch the rest of the show i have no context for it but this was an enjoyable 21 minutes for me dave uh if you like trish you really gotta seek out i am alan partridge (laughs) For his Dan, because it really pushed Trish to shame. Like I was watching Trish, I'm like, yeah, I guess that was long. It's no Dan, which goes on for like a billion hours. I think that's been a King of the Mountains because I think yeah. I submitted it. Sarah, I'll send you the, the yeah. YouTube clip. Yes, please do. All right, real talk, guys. Down market to Flight of the Concords. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I think so too. Uh, didn't really like the songs. Didn't really think the comedy was hit that well. Knowing that. Um, 
they didn't really have control of their own destinies on this show sort of uh makes me feel better about saying that because i know that they're you know competent comedians and you know they're funny people but it didn't really translate for me in this show and it's something if it came before fly the concords i would have a different opinion about it but it came after and it's like a lesser being so it's like it's a no for me so tara what's your vote yeah no for me too but thank you nick and sarah uh you're just some bitch with parents (laughs) i'm gonna vote yes i don't know i liked it i know it doesn't matter i'm sorry nick i tried All right, guys. So that's two no votes against one yes vote. So that means Garfunkel and Oates, season one, episode three, Speechless. I'm sorry, but you're not inducted into the Extra Hot Creek. Americans love a winner. Yeah. And will not tolerate a loser. No. It is time for a winner and a loser of the week. Tara has her winner. Take it away, Tara. So many winners this week. I thought I would do a rundown of the new shows that have already been renewed. So the first network show to get renewed was This Is Us on NBC, which we talked about briefly in our fall uh, preview episode with Eve. Um, It was followed shortly by thereafter by uh, Designated Survivor (laughs) and Speechless, both uh, both on ABC. Of course, beating all of them uh, were Atlanta and Better Things on FX. And also this week, High Maintenance got renewed on HBO. Dave and I watched the uh, this week's episode. Wait, yes. Was that was that the pilot that we watched? Yeah. No. Okay, it's been on for a while. That was episode three. Uh, That was my introduction to the show. And I couldn't tell what the show was about. Was it going to be an (laughs) anthology about the people around that dog's life? (laughs) In which show? In which case, I was sort of interested, <laughs> but then at the end, I guess it's about the couple. I guess, but so if I, you I haven't lost seen it, this was the episode that was told from the point of view of a dog that essentially falls in love with his dog walker, who is played by Lorna from Orange Is the New Black. It's really adorable, but yes, it's mostly it's about the weed delivery guy and the dog. Uh, was, this was just one story, and the dog was a. Uh, it's sort of anthology. He was the esque. least interesting part of that. Pasadena. Well, he was hardly in it. Yeah, I'm sure. More dog. More dogs. <laughs> it's not really, the show's not really about the weed dealer guy. He just comes in and out of people's lives, and then we see what their lives are like. Oh, dogs. I agree. More I would dogs. like to see Gordon review that episode, though. <laughs> <laughs> he can't. He's at the kennel. Sarah! <laughs> well, Gordon's a tough act to follow, but uh, the loser this week is Dr. Phil, who is beyond scraping the barrel. He's like tilted the barrel and is scraping around like the <laughs> underside of the barrel <laughs> by having Stephen Avery on and his new fiance. Um, I guess Stephen Avery will be um, calling in from jail, and his fiance, who is, you know, one of those, is going to be on set with Dr. <laughs> Phil. Uh, Dr. Phil, like, generally, I would like to declare a different loser to wit, people on crime shows directly asking, uh, those suspected of killing someone, did you kill X? Like, they're gonna fucking say yes, leave it out. Not that Dr. Phil is going to do this to Stephen Avery, because Stephen Avery is never going to admit that he had anything to do with Teresa Hallback's murder, whether or not he did. But asking... Burke Ramsey repeatedly over the course of three days, dra- like dragged over a week. Did you kill your sister? Even he is not going to say yes. Please <laughs> stop doing that. True crime hosts. I am done. All right. Hey, uh, what do you guys want for lunch? Hey, did you kill that person? <laughs> Don't. <laughs> uh, speaking about killing Excel, people. Yes. Do you know what time it is? <laughs> time to kill someone. Yeah. Prison time. time. Sure. Game time. <laughs> Thank you.
It is indeed game time. This is the sixth game of the season. Tara and Sarah tied for the lead with two points apiece, and value guests are right behind with one point. Today we are playing It's a Mad, 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 Mad Men World oh. from Danielle Johnson, oh. who earns herself an extra credit. Ka-ching! Lost my clip. <laughs> Redeemable for an extra hot, great mini topic of her choosing. And those mini topics will return in the near-ish future, as we said, up top. All right. So it's a mad, mad, mad men world is going to be a fast-paced quiz where I read you a slogan or well-known phrase from a TV ad campaign, and you answer with the name of the product being advertised. Oh, boy. Finally, all those years of watching commercials are going to pay off. (laughs) There are no clues. Each correct answer is worth one point. Oh, boy. There are 93 questions today because they're going to go fast. (laughs) Whoa. So let's throw it to Picky. We will start with valued guests. All right. Nick, Sarah, Tara is our order. Are we ready to play It's a Mad, 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 Mad Men World? Yes, sir. Nick, blank is it. Coke. Sarah D. Bunting, I'm loving it. Do, 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 McDonald's. Sorry, Ariano. Mm-hmm. This is the choice of a new generation. Pepsi. The best part of waking up is blank in Nick's cup. Folgers. Sarah D. Bunting. This is your brain on drugs. But what was it for? Uh, partnership for a drug-free America. <gasps> wow. wow. Nice. <laughs> yeah, and yet it didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the beef? Uh, Wendy's. Woundies. I've fallen and I can't get up. Oh, uh, medical alert bracelet. Uh, uh, oh, no. That's not what uh, it is. Life alert. Right? Life, life, life alert. Call, yeah. Life, life alert. Okay. I think I had two names, but yeah. Sarah D. Bunting, they keep going and going and going. Oh, energizer batteries. Avoid the noid, Tara. <laughs> uh, oh, dominoes. Think different. Apple. Sarah D. Bunting, there are some things money can't buy. For everything else, there's blank. MasterCard? Thank you, Billy Crudup. Because you're worth it. Uh, oh, uh, L'Oreal? Okay. Plop, nice. plop, fizz, fizz. Oh, what a relief it is. <laughs> Alex Seltzer. Yeah. I heard it through the grapevine, Sarah D. Bunting. Oh, come on. <laughs> <laughs> California raisins. <laughs> Can you hear me now? Um... Shit, Verizon? Okay. He likes it. Hey, Mikey. Life. Number 17. Spread Eagle. Spread Eagle. Silly Rabbit blank are for kids. Tricks. Bring us into our first score break. Time to make the donuts. Um, Dunkin' Donuts? Very close game. I think we only had one wrong answer. Yep. Nick has five points. Sarah and I are tied with six each. All right. Back to it. Yep. Nick Ryanwell Jones, double your pleasure, double your fun. With extra double mint gum. Sarah D. Bunting, the fresh maker. Mentos. Tara, Madge, you're soaking in it. Palm olive. 99 and 44, 100% pure. Oh, uh, Dial. Ivory. Right product, wrong name. Ivory. Sarah D. Bunting, you're on a boat with a man. You're on a boat with a man your man could smell like. (laughs) 
Wait, what? You're on a boat with a man your man could smell like. Old Spice? Yes. <laughs> Sometimes you feel like a nut, Tara Ariano. Sometimes you don't. Mounds and Almond Joy. Nick Reinwell Jones. It tastes great, less filling. Tastes great, less filling. Uh, Bud Light. Nope, sorry. Miller Lite. Wrong Okay. Sarah Mix D. up Butter. your swill drinks. Yeah. <laughs> zoom, zoom. Mazda. Nice. Fly the friendly skies, Tara Ariana. Delta? Shit! United. Ugh. We oh, bring good Delta. things to life. Nick Reinwell Jones. Uh, IBM? Yeah, you're always like in the ballpark. <laughs> it's, it's, it's GE. Another couple uh, letters. Man. Yes. Uh, B, all that you can be, Sarah D. Bunting. The United States Army. Tara Ariano, yes. don't leave home without it. American Express. Nick Reinwell Jones, must see TV. Ooh, meta. Uh, NBC. <laughs> Breakfast of Champions. Uh, Wheaties. Nice. You're in good hands, Tara Ariano, with <laughs> blank. What's my name? <laughs> your name is Tara You're in good hands with blank. Allstate. Have a break. Have a blank, Nick. Mm-hmm. Kit Kat? Oh, you're so tentative. Oh, I'm scared. <laughs> I'm scared now. <laughs> Sarah D. Bunting, when you care enough to send the very best. Oh, shit. When you care enough to send the very best. Hallmark? Yeah. Bring us into our second score break. Mm-hmm. They're great. Frosted Flakes. That is correct. Okay, got some changes. Uh, Nick has eight. I have 11. Sarah has 12. All right, back to it. Nick Reinwell Jones, it takes a licking and keeps on ticking. Oh, uh, Timex. Just for the taste of it, Sarah D. Bunting. Diet Coke. Uh, brand she's very familiar with. When it absolutely, yeah. positively has to be there overnight. Schnatics. Okay, good. <laughs> Have it your way, Nick Reinwell Jones. Yeah. Burger King. <laughs> <laughs> Borgo King. <laughs> Burger King. Woundies. <laughs> <laughs> yep. mm-hmm. McDougal's. All right. Uh, bet you can't eat just one, Sarah. Uh, bet you can't. No one can eat just one. Lay's potato chips. Nice. It's everywhere you want to be, Tara Ariana. Visa. Think small. Uh, right. Volkswagen. Yeah. Pizza, pizza. For Sarah. Uh, I was about to say pizza, pizza. No. Uh, Little Caesars. Yes, the best a man can get, Tara Ariana. Gillette. Not made in New York City, Nick Reinwell Jones. <laughs> oh, uh, Pace. <laughs> the ultimate driving machine, Sarah D. Bunting. The ultimate driving machine. Yes. Oh, oh. there's so many. Let's go with BMW. Yeah. <laughs> Strong enough for a man, but made for a woman like Tara Ariano. It's this. Um. Fuck, which one is it? Lady Speed Stick? Mm. What is it? Secret. Secret! <laughs> Nick Reinwell Jones, this melts in your mouth, not in your hand. Here. M&M's. Hmm. <laughs> All right. Sarah D. Bunting, you got the right one, baby. Uh-huh. Got the right one, baby. Uh-huh. You got oh, the I'm gonna right be so one, mad. baby. 
additional information from Tara Ariana. You want to sing that yeah. again? Yeah. Hmm. I cold 45. <laughs> mm. Oh, man. I don't actually remember what it's for, though. Right container, but. <laughs> oh, Diet Pepsi, sure. Oh. <laughs> because so much is riding on your tires, Tara. Michelin? Nick Ryanwell Jones, you never get a second chance to make a first impression. Oh, uh, spirit. Mm. Incorrect. That's Head and shoulders. Head and shoulders. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Finger spirit? licking good. <laughs> we got spirit. Yes, we do. Uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken. Tari Ariana, take us into our next score break. Yep. The Uncola. Seven up. Correct. All righty. Oh, I just keep falling farther. Nick has 13. I have 16. Sarah has 17. Okay, but Nick, take heart. That was just like, we're just barely we're, over the half We're point. hardly in it. Okay. With a name like blank, it has to be good, Nick. Oh, God. With a name like blank, it has to be good. Oh, uh, I, I don't even have a guess. <gasps> oh, my God. Someone doesn't watch the Today Show. What is it? Smuckers. Smuckers. Oh, oh yeah, Smuckers. I thought it was Golden Sweat. <laughs> also, Fuddruckers could have been. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just do it. Uh, Nike. And the quicker picker-upper. Bounty. A diamond is forever. Uh... De beers. And now I'll give you five day points if you say it like Saturday Night Live, guys. <laughs> I, I, I don't think I beers. Come on, oh, Nick. Oh, dub uh, oh. Uh, Sarah dub D. Bunting, every kiss begins with blank. I'm sorry, once more? Every kiss begins with a blank. Oh, K. Okay. Jewelers. It uh, tastes so good, cats ask for it by name. Meow Mix? Like a good neighbor, blank is there, Nick Ridewell. State Farm. There we go. Maybe she's born with it. Maybe it's blank. Maybelline. I don't want to grow up. I'm a blank kid. Toys R Us. Nick Ridewell Jones, reach out and touch someone. AT&T. We try harder, Sarah D. Bunting. <laughs> oh, fuck, because they're number two. Avis? Nice. Wow. Tar, tar Ariano, <laughs> yep. a little dabble, do ya? Oh, God. Dippity do? Mm. Shit. Real cream. Real cream. Okay, I knew it wasn't. Blank. Nick Rory Mel Jones. Blank. Take me away. Calgon. Mm mm. Good. Sarah D. Bunting. Oh. Mm mm. Good. Mm mm. Good. Yep. I can say it even flatter if you want. Mm, mm, good. <laughs> no, I, oh, I'm going to be so mad. You are. Oscar Mayer Wieners, I don't know. That is Campbell's Soup. Sarah, uh, your car. <laughs> yeah, your well, car. she's gone now. That's true. Please don't squeeze the blank, Tara Ariana. Charmin. Does she or doesn't she, Nick Reinwell Jones? Oh, um, I have no idea. Anybody? Nice and easy? Clairol. Uh, uh, look, Ma, no cavities, says Sarah D. Bunting. Look, Ma, no cavities. All I got left are these black stinky holes. Look, <laughs> <laughs> stumps instead. Uh, trident? Crest. Uh, Crest. Uh, Here's a tough one for Tara Ariano. Mm-hmm. Snap, crackle, pop. Rice Krispies. Blank satisfies you, Nick Reinwell. Snickers. <laughs> Good to the last drop, Sarah D. Bunting. Maxwell House. It's blank time. Miller? Got blank? Milk. 
<laughs> Let your fingers do the walking, Sarah. You let your fingers do the what? The yellow pages? Yeah. yeah. Remember yellow pages? Remember when yeah. that was a thing? That they was had important? to advertise? The hell's that? <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll do another score break after this. You'll love the way we fly. Is this Delta? <laughs> this is Delta, yeah. Well done. Okay. That was, that was 78. Okay, Nick has 19 points. Sarah and I are tied with 23. We all got Here five questions. Four, four questions. Nick! Here we go. Back to Nick. Yep. You're not fully clean until I'm you're blank fully zestfully clean. Zestfully clean. Yeah, that's correct. To zest <laughs> soap. Blank the San Francisco treat. <laughs> and let me Run let me answer this for you. Not visiting. <laughs> she said it. She got it right. Rice Sorry. Rice I sang it even. <laughs> <clears throat> she did sing it. Look, I have to be consistent with my hatred of San Francisco. Pardon me, but do you have any blank? <laughs> Gray Poupon. Blank, Nick Reinwell Jones. Blank, it's what's for dinner. Beef. Beef. Sarah D. Bunting, snap into a blank. Well, I'm not going to, but Slim Jim. <laughs> I said, oh, yes, do you it. Are. <laughs> Ooh. Yes. Once you pop, you can't stop. Pringles. Eat fresh, Nick Rival Jones. <laughs> Subway. Yeah. Debatable. It takes a tough man to <laughs> yeah. make a tender chicken. That's my favorite. <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> it takes a tough man to make a tender chicken. Oh, my so God. You just lay down there, little chicken, close your eyes. <laughs> I, uh, <laughs> the Shawshank Redemption. <laughs> feel extremely uncomfortable. Purdue chicken. Yeah, Purdue chicken. Well done. I don't even know what that, I mean. Good job. They make chicken. I didn't know that either. I've, I've never heard of that brand. Obey your thirst. Sprite. Ah, uh, Nick. Nice. Blank. The other white meat. I'm getting all the meat. Pork. Yeah. <laughs> so easy, a caveman can do it, Sarah. Geico Insurance? Correct. One of 7,000 slogans for Geico. Tara? Yes. Taste the rainbow. Skittles. Correct. All right, everybody's got one question left, so let's oh, get scores. Well, Nick now has 23 points, and Sarah and I are still tied with 27. Uh-oh. I don't have a tiebreaker. <laughs> You really not? No, there's no tiebreaker <laughs> in this. Uh, sorry, what are the questions? What? What, what, are, the what are the scores? 23 to 27 <laughs> to 27. All right. Uh, I'm going to give uh, Nick his last question just so he can have it. Okay. Nick, there's always okay. room for blank. J-E-L-L-O. Yeah. You're correct. All right, guys. Now we have to go to it. Wow. I'm going to have to use these last two questions as our tiebreaker. Okay. All right. So I'm going to read both of them. Mm-hmm. And the first person to say what both of them are as one answer oh, is going to win. Okay. All right. Kay. Are you ready? You yep. locked in? Yeah. Yep. Locked in over in New York? Uh, yep. Okay. Think outside the bun. Two great tastes that taste great together. Taco Bell Reese's Peanut Butter Cups? Yes! Correct! We had the second, but not the first! <laughs> Sarah! Sarah! Sarah. Nice Sarah. Good job, Sarah. Very oh, well fought to you. you.